In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending October the 28th, a new nationwide poll is out showing farmers and ranchers favoring Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton in the presidential election. 55% of respondents to the AgriPulse Farm and Ranch Poll say they'll vote for the Republican candidate, while 18% say they'll cast a vote for Democratic candidate. The poll shows 2% of the respondents planning to vote for Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson, 1% for Green Party candidate Jill Stein. But those numbers could change as 15% of the respondents remain undecided. 8% refused to answer the question as to who they were supporting. Trump attracted 59% of the male voters, 37% of the female. Clinton drew support from only 15% of males, but 33% female. The GOP nominees scored particularly well in two battleground states. 68% of Ohio farmers and ranchers support Trump. 58% of farmers and ranchers in Florida also said they support Trump. 86% of the respondents were somewhat or very dissatisfied with the way things are going in the country, which is higher than the 75% number back in January this year. Well, getting Congress to take up and pass the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, agreement this year is a top priority of many organizations, including the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and National Pork Producers Council. While some feel it could be considered during the lame duck session, there are others who are not so sure. But Ambassador Darcy Vetter, chief ag negotiator for the U.S., told Agnet Media they continue to push for passage of it yet this year. We still uh, believe strongly that this should be passed in the lame duck session of Congress, and there is still an opportunity to do that. We understand that the trade rhetoric during this election has been difficult, but we have the opportunity to consider under the rules of trade promotion authority, um, this agreement can move through Congress very quickly. And so we're working closely with members of Congress, with congressional leadership to uh, try to set the stage for that to happen very shortly after the election. Uh, And we're going to continue working with ag stakeholders and uh, other supporters throughout the country to make the case that there is a sense of urgency here and that our economy really needs the benefits of this trade agreement. So we will continue to push for consideration this year. In other news, Southeast cattle producers are invited to an event taking place this coming Thursday, November 3rd in Lake Park, Georgia. It's called Not in a Book 2. Wayne Banius, chairman of the event, says professionals from Auburn University, University of Florida, and University of Georgia will be there. We've got Auburn University represented with Dr. Don Mulvaney. Uh, We've got the University of Georgia uh, representative by Dr. Jacob Seegers. And the University of Florida uh, representative is Dr. Cliff Lamb. They all are quite renowned in their own specialty. And we also have Dr. Dan Scruggs out of Missouri, and he is sponsored by Zoetis. And he will talk about the new veterinarian directive. I mean, it's going to affect everybody in agriculture. So we've got four major players going to be available for questions and uh, talk about it. And Banya says no registrations are needed and there's no cost for producers who attend. No, sir, not at all. We want to make this available to everybody at no cost. We have some very good sponsors who have find the value of their business they do with these guys uh, that have paid for this. And so, you know, we need to have those people that are considering that an issue not to be. Come on out. Uh, I would just suggest that they come to uh, the Blackwater Cattle Company in Lake Park, Georgia, because we want the opportunity to bring three states together, all trying to deal with the same issues. And so come one, come all. 
Well, as many of us know, dry conditions in this part of the country continue to affect many things, including pastures, especially across parts of Alabama and Georgia. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey looks at trouble spots in the latest nationwide pasture and rangeland condition report. As we've seen for the past several weeks, we see a gradual drying trend, a lot of that owing to the intensifying drought across the southeast and drier conditions across parts of the Great Plains. Overall, we're looking at pasture and rangeland 45% good to excellent, down a point from last week, and 22% very poor to poor. That is up a point from last week. We see generally our lowest pasture conditions now in the interior southeast, we at least half of the pastures rated very poor to poor in Georgia at 61%, as well as Tennessee, 57%, and Alabama at 51%. We still have some recovering pastures in the northeast. We have had some rain there, but for example, Maine, that rain came too late to revive pastures. We're looking at 86% very poor to poor in Maine as of October 23rd. In terms of good to excellent ratings, we still see some very green conditions for this time of year. Mostly in the states bordering the upper Mississippi, led by Wisconsin, 71% good to excellent. Well, on a brighter note, with Halloween here, many of the treats handed out this year to the ghouls and goblins will include peanuts or peanut butter. That's something that Tyron Spearman says is good for the peanut industry. Well, peanut farmers are getting in the short rows now of finishing up the crop, but one of their biggest events is the Halloween market. A lot of peanut candy is sold during Halloween. According to MyCandyFavorites.com, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the most sought-after Halloween candy. Introduced in 1928, this candy is a delicious combination of milk chocolate and smooth and creamy peanut butter, and it's no wonder kids really enjoy it. Reese's comes in various forms, they said, from mini to pumpkin-shaped this season, making them the perfect treat to hand out to all of your eager trick-or-treaters this year. According to one site, the uh, Snickers and Peanuts M&M are also in the top five as uh, trick-or-treaters' favorite snacks to get during this season. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about the challenges facing us with our global growth. Perhaps half the world population is aware of the need to increase food production. Certainly our farmers are. It's accepted that by 2075, population in the world will reach 7 billion. It'll take twice as much food as we have today. Science is working tirelessly to give farmers the tools they need to succeed. But there are other resources besides food that have to be taken into consideration. For instance, how much more energy will we need? At least 45% more, according to one study. Uh, That appears to be as practical as the demand for food, but here's one that has a heap of people concerned, 30% more fresh water. That may be the biggest challenge. You see, it'll increase the demand for energy and water to reach the food challenge. And so far, nobody has figured out a way to increase fresh water production. And that's AgReview for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.